I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Resource, real talk about real estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. I'm Jay Pitts. And Gabe, I'm going to do it a little different this time. Okay. Okay. I usually come in with a yo or a what's up or anything (laughs) like that. I know I'm I'm feeling good today, man. I'm feeling good today, and I'm glad we're here in the studio about to bring some knowledge. Yeah, some real knowledge because we were heading back to the classroom today. We were talking about one of our favorite topics. Well, that's what we do here at Resource. It's real talk, real knowledge, all real, right? And we're here to talk about real estate investing. Yeah. And you might think that we've talked about everything there is to talk about with real estate investing, but we keep hearing from listeners and we keep hearing from people that we know uh, that have questions. There's There's a lot of questions that need answering when it comes to the world of real estate investing. In the past, we've talked about how to go grand scale with your investing. If you're, maybe you've already started and you want to scale it up, or we've talked about how to get started in a big way, make it your full-time job. We talked to Cliff about that many weeks ago, but today we want to talk specifically to a group of our audience that, that wants to get into investing, but like they don't have the means to jump in solo right now. And they're looking for ways to kind of like, cut some corners and get started, even though maybe either they don't have the capital to just jump in and start right now, or maybe they just don't have the confidence. So we want to talk to you about how you can be a real estate investor, even if now seems like it's not the exact right time to start. No, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, not just resource. Sure. Um, There's a lot of resources out there. And, you know, we'd like to kind of turn you on to some of the things that we, you know, as real estate investors and real estate professionals some of the resources that that we use you know there's there's a lot out there there's a lot of podcasts there's i'm a pod podcast consumer yeah me too um and i think that that kind of is what ultimately led gabe and i to to decide to produce this podcast but that's a great way um you know you can hear some of the some of the social media kind of uh, influencers talk about Gary V is one of them who's very heavy on podcasting, but you can multitask while doing it. So I like to consume knowledge while I'm being productive. Uh, I'd like to listen to things that intrigue me and inspire me while I'm exercising. So, uh, I, I would encourage you to look at, look at, uh, real estate invest. There's a, a million real estate investing podcasts out there, but one separates itself. Um, and that would be the bigger pockets podcast. Sure. So those guys over there and, and specifically, and you guys have heard me talk about Grant Cardone. I'm a fan of Grant's. Uh, I think there's some, some flaws in the way that he looks at things, but there's a lot to take from it and you have to kind of get past the, the bravado and kind of blustery kind of delivery that he has, but there's some real good nuggets there. I think he understands how to grab attention. And once you peel back all the layers of the onion, right, there's some really, really solid advice there. Yeah. But Bigger Pockets is fantastic. And they actually, one of their most recent episodes, two, episode 250, featured Grant Cardone for a second time. It's about an hour long podcast. And I, I listened to it while I was at the National Association of Realtors Convention, just before I heard their chief economist speak. And it was really kind of this eerie 
feeling. Yeah. Because I'm listening to this and Grant makes some some bold predictions about where the apartment market is headed. And then I go in to hear this chief economist talk and he talks about tax reform and Trump's tax plan and you were like getting hit with real estate. Oh my from all gosh. Angles. This is I like mean, surround I, I, sound. I felt like I was in like a real estate echo chamber. Like <laughs> anyway, maybe not an echo chamber, but because uh, they're saying very different things, saying the same stuff in very different ways. Sure. Uh, needless to say, the investing world is changing before our eyes. And for you, the listener who is, might be a novice that is looking to understand a 360 degree viewpoint, um, you're, you're planning your exit before you enter. You need to hear about some of these things. And, and we're not the only place you can find your knowledge. If you're a real estate professional, which I think most of our listeners are, I think it's very important for you to consider real estate investing as an insulation, as a safety net against the downturn of the market. Now, you, and, and I, I hate to say this, Gabe, man, but you haven't even been in the business long enough to experience the things that I've experienced. No, I know I haven't. I entered real estate in a really bad market. Okay. I learned how to make it then. And then I had to transition from that to a very good market. And there are people in the business that think they know it all, real estate professionals, real, residential real estate people that think they know it all because they've sold houses for four years. And the truth is you've never seen a buyer's market. Okay. It's 2017 and all you know is three months supply. Yeah. Right. Like when I was in, when I got in the business, there was 18 months supply and I don't want to be the, the old fart that like <laughs> back in my day, back in my day, sonny. Let, no, I up, uh, walked five miles to uphill and from school, ways. uphill both ways, no shoes in a foot of snow in a foot of snow. Yeah, yeah. None of that. But the truth is, is you don't know what you don't know. And to, to coin, uh, to go back and quote one of our other earlier episode titles and the great game of Thrones <laughs> winter is coming. Right. And real estate investing is a way that you can weather that storm. Yeah. So what's the question, Gabe? Well, what I like do our where listeners going. need to hear. I like where you're going with this. Some of our listeners know exactly what you mean when you say winter is coming because they're plan people. I mean, are you, I don't know. You're probably like a plan person. People like to have a plan and have a sense of security about these decisions they're making. They're making. And when we talk about real estate investing, we're talking about pretty pretty large financial commitments in most cases, uh, and for some people, I mean, it's pretty clear that there's there's a direct correlation between I spend this and I'll make this. You know, they're pretty certain about that, but it's still, it's a lot to invest to jump in. So, I want to talk about for our planning people some ways that you can uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, kind of ease some of your fears about making that initial commitment. And one of the big ways you can do that is by investing with partners. And we haven't talked about that a lot on the show, but we have, you know, people in our orbit, we even have people that within our company that invest as, you know, partners in, you know, an LLC or just a group of investors like-minded people. And it comes in all shapes and sizes, and for some of you it might be a great option, for some of you it could be really dangerous. So we want to talk about the right ways to approach that. And I guess just right off the bat, Jay, what is your impression about investing with partners? Well, I think, I think it's a great way to increase your impact, to increase your experience while reducing your risk. Right. So the, the step number one for any investor is to understand how much liquid capital they have to deploy. And I, I don't want to say invest because the investment is going to probably take the shape of some of your own funds and some of some borrowed funds. Um, and, and you need to be able to consider the difference between, between the two. But frankly, 
you need to know how much you have to deploy, how much you don't need to cash out. Like you can't buy a piece of real estate and expect to sell it. Like liquidity is, is relative, but like you don't expect to sell assets, you know, readily. You, you have to be able, like you're burying that money in your backyard. Right. And you're not planning on digging it up for a while. So how much cash do you have to deploy? And is that enough to execute? Just forget success for a moment. Can you even buy something <laughs> yeah. with the amount of capital you have? If the answer is no, then you must find a partner. Okay. You must, or you must raise more capital. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there that work good jobs that are clients of ours that don't have a hundred K laying around. Like they, they, they're, they're paying private school tuition for their kids and they're saving for retirement and they're paying their taxes and they're paying health insurance out the wazoo. You know, like there's a lot, it's, it's expensive to live in today's day and age. Okay. So I, we don't want to take for granted the fact that it's difficult to come across the cash needed to invest in a large scale. Sure. Even if you're doing well. So absolutely. Even if you're doing well. So what I want our listeners to hear is, is there's no shame in taking a partner, right? Make sure it's someone you trust. Okay. I'm not telling you what Grant Cardone is telling you, which is to go out and never buy based on budget. That's what he says. Don't buy based on budget. You need to move and move fast now. He His whole argument is there will never, ever be a time in this country where the $800 a month to the $1,200 a month rental will disappear. There will always be demand come good markets and bad. So you're not buying. He says don't buy the Section 8 and don't buy the $3,000 penthouse rental. Right, Buy the $800 to $1,200 a month rentals and buy them in mass, in scale, uh, you know, aggregate, take partners, do whatever, syndicate, do whatever you have to do to buy as many of those as you can because you're not going to get hurt. But the truth is, is the market does turn fast. And if you're not prepared, you can get wiped out. Yep. So get experience with less risk by taking on a partner. And that may be you and your brother-in-law. Okay. Putting up 25 K a piece. Okay. To go buy a single rental house first that only takes 15,000 to go down and you've got you know, 35,000 in savings in case something goes wrong. Right. And you finance it on the secondary market. True. But, and then this is where it all of a sudden becomes complicated because it sounds like a really easy premise. You find, I have money, someone else with money, we put our money together and go, right? But what are some of the things that people need to know if they're going to not only get into a partnership, but they want to have success? I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things that you have to do. And some some groundwork that has to be laid if you're really going to experience long-term success. So okay. what are some of those things? A lot of the risk that comes from the things you're talking about, Gabe, can be mitigated with trust. Yes. Okay, true. so don't partner with a stranger that you don't trust. Partner with somebody that you do trust. Someone that you trust to treat you fairly when there is a conflict. Because and not just trust, but someone that has the same goals, too. Like you said, if you're looking for some, if you're someone that's looking for true. long-term hold assets and another person is looking for you know flips – there's not going to be a lot of synergy there if one person wants to cash out their part of the investment while the other person wants to double down. I think you can make some assumptions, Gabe, that people aren't going to get into real estate investing as a partnership with completely separate goals. Right. 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 So let's so let's assume they have the the same similar goals. Yeah. What you need to be worried about is the situation, the scenario you just explained. Like what happens when when something unexpected happens, what happens when you catch a lawsuit? What happens when a house sits vacant for three months and you can't find a renter? What happens when your flip doesn't sell? Yeah. What happens when so, so-and-so gets in a car wreck and totals their vehicle and has to go buy a new one? 
like unexpected things, you need to understand that you're investing with a partner that's stable enough to withstand some stuff and not have to run. And what happens when, I mean, God forbid a divorce, like, you know, uh, my wife's leaving me. So now I have to sell all my rental property. Well, they've just now started to get profitable. Why do you mean we got to sell? And I'm not in a position to buy you out. Yeah. So now your personal circumstances require that I give up forfeit the success th- that I forfeit that. the momentum that I have. Yeah. So, um, success is relative to timing. I, I think it's very important that you be careful about the partners you take. Yeah. But there's no way, there's, there's no way for us to solve for that for every permutation that any of our listeners would have. Just know that you got the same goals and know that they can withstand some setback Yep. Without quitting. That's good. And I want to get even more laser focused too and talk about. So, so far, what we're talking about sounds like, you know, you have trust in the person, but we're not talking about necessarily like handshake agreements among people. There's, there's some formality that, that has to occur. I I mentioned earlier LLCs. Yeah. You know, what, what kind of things have to happen from a legal standpoint for you to become joint owners of, you know, real estate? Sure. Okay. So you can buy real estate as, partners. You know, you can take title joint tenants with rights or survivorship. You can take te- title tenants in common. And and what that has to do with is if something were to happen to you, the principal, um, you know, who inherits your interest? If something, if you were, uh, were to become deceased, unfortunately, who, who gets your, who gets your interest in that property? So I, I, I'm not, I'm, I must disclaim, we are not CPAs. We are not, Attorneys, we're right. not, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not able to give formal advice in these arenas. So talk to a CPA, talk to an attorney to know your state's laws specifically. But what I can tell you is in my experience, the, the LLC gave is the most common, uh, vehicle for partners to take ownership in real estate. Now you have to understand some other things when you, when you finance as an LLC, when you purchase as an LLC and you look to finance, the secondary market, secondary mortgage market will not finance you as a business. They want a personal guarantor to, to be able to finance that. Now, both partners can sign on the same mortgage loan on the secondary market, and then you can transfer ownership via a quick claim deed to an LLC. But you got to be careful there too, because you're in violation of that mortgages due on sale clause. And I don't want to get into the weeds here, but basically what I see a lot of people doing is, um, Gabe, you and I are going to be investor partners. We're going to buy a house at one, two, three main street, and we're going to finance it, um, with one, two, three mortgage. And we're going to do that instead of going to our local bank, because they're only going to require that we put 10% down and their rate is a point lower than the local bank. And, you know, that's, that's attractive to us. Sure. So you and I are going to go on a mortgage, on a mortgage together and we're going to buy person in our personal names so that we can do that. And then we're going to create this LLC over here. And then after the mortgage is closed and the bank's out of the way, yep. we're going to take and then we're going to deed that property to that LLC that we started. Okay. Okay. That is in violation of the terms of the mortgage and the mortgage holder can then call your note due at any time they choose. Yeah. Okay. I know a lot of investors that do it. Yeah. It, and it's not a problem until it's a problem. Yeah. Because chances are that lender that just gave you the loan is not going to call it due if it's performing. Sure. They sure. want your money. They want your interest. They don't want 
Why would they call for you to pay in full when yeah? And, and forego the opportunity to earn interest if you're the making future, regular payments. If you're sure. making regular payments, okay. So 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 that's a disclaimer. But the investment vehicle of an LLC is the most common. Now, when you start that LLC, you need to have an attorney draw it up, or you need to, you know, if you're savvy enough, you can you can do this stuff yourself. But I wouldn't recommend it. I'd have an attorney do it, and you need a really good operating agreement. Okay, so an operating agreement is what is what outlines what happens. Okay, who owns what and what happens and who has the ability to make decisions? And chances are there's a boiler, your attorney has a boilerplate management or uh, operating agreement that says Gabe owns 50% and Jay owns 50%. And Gabe has 50% decision making rights and Jay has 50%. So, but you need to have this in place. And if you want to, you know, negotiate a buyout up front, like if Gabe decides to quit before five years from today's date, then He's got to do X. And likewise, if Jay wants to get out, he has to do Y or X also. It's important to have the exit planned before the entrance. I think you just plan plan for any and all contingencies that you can foresee right up front and be honest about it with your your partner or partners. It, it absolutely is. You need to make banking decisions. Who are you going to bank with? You got to have your own bank account. How are you going to capitalize the account? You, you don't want to be – you know, running into confrontations with your partners after money's already been spent. After all these decisions are made, though, Gabe, the most important thing that you got to get together on is strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, strategy. And then, you know, you can make decisions on which properties to pick and, you know, where to look and how much to spend and all that jointly, right? Like, that's a decision that you can make together in on the fly. But you don't want to be spinning your wheels Gabe spends his wheels looking at this profile of an investment the while Jay twelve hundred rental while Jay spins his wheels looking at at this profile the fifteen over here. cap flip yeah <laughs> exactly and then I pitch you a deal and you you knock it down you pitch me a deal I knock it down and now we're at odds and we're frustrated with one another right there's no point in that you might as well just invest it's completely separate so. Yeah. That's that's partnership investing as far as I see it. In its most simplest form, it can be a lot more complicated than that. You can go beyond LLCs and do, you know, land trusts. You can do sole proprietorships um, that are partnered with each other. You can do limited, li- limited liability partnerships. You can do S corporations. You can do all sorts of crazy stuff. Talk to your CPA. Talk to your attorney. Figure out what's best for you. But ultimately – Find a vehicle that works. Right. And I think one of the key things here is that, I mean, if you're listening to this, you realize that there's a lot of potential and you give yourself a lot of leverage by doing this. But there's just so many options that it can be daunting, even though you know it's a good decision and it mitigates risk. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that you need to determine up front. So in your mind, is there like an optimal business plan? Like if you were going to imagine the template that would be the right fit that would make you convinced you wanted to invest with partners, maybe not you personally, but like a hypothetical you – how many partners should it be? Should it be two? Should it be five? How much should each person be contributing? What what should these agreements look like? And especially who should have what responsibilities? Because I think a lot of times is it should, if I'm a real estate person that's listening to this podcast and I'm sharp, should I just look for financial backers that will trust me to execute? Or should I look for other people with different skills from me and we all pitch in our collective efforts? I mean, I mean, that's a hundred questions that I just threw at you, but what's the optimal business plan look like for partnered investors? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to revert back to most prevalent, most prevalent, most likely, um, easiest to execute two partners. Okay. Two partners. Usually what you can do is you can start investing in this because we're talking about starters here. 
Sure. Okay. Like very seldom is is there a situation where someone with no experience goes out and gets a seed person, you know, seed money to go buy hundreds of units of apartments or you know, hundred houses or a portfolio like shareholders, or, and then they're yeah. Th- that's just it's not going to happen. Gabe, okay? if 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 you're not investing in real estate now and you don't have millions of dollars and you don't have a significant you know acumen for business and a business background, you don't understand the concepts. Find one partner, okay? I tell you what you see a lot of. You see, well, I mean, we can use myself as an example. So I flip houses. I have a partner who's a general contractor, okay? He's a 50% owner in my flip business, right? He has the contractor connections. He has the experience renovating. I mean, I've got some experience too, but he, you know, I certainly have enough to hold him honest, Right. But he is a builder. Like that is his, that's his thing. Like he can put an addition on a house. He can tile a house. He can lay hardwood floors. He can trim drywall, finish, paint, hang windows, replace roofs, like pour foundations. He can do it all. That's his thing. Yeah. That's his thing. Right. And I can do those things. Not as, I'm not as adept as he is. Sure. But he can also negotiate. He can also sell. He can also find opportunities, but that's my thing. Right, right. Okay. So I find the deals. Okay. I write the contracts. I scout them. I figure out how much money we're going to make. I present him with the, he signs off. We buy the thing. I negotiate it. I make a commission to do it. Okay. He renovates it. He makes a little profit in renovating. Okay. And then I sell them and I make a little money in selling them. So it's a match made in heaven because he doesn't want to find them. He wouldn't take the time to find them. You send him a project and he I get, executes. I line up a project, he executes. I buy it, I sell it. Like it's a good partnership. Yeah. Right? Another partnership could be, you know, I go back to the brother-in-law example. Two brother-in-laws, right? Like they want to get, the, you know, one's a one's a dentist and the other's an attorney. and But they're kind of handy guys and they got a little bit of money and they put 50000 a piece in an account and they're going to buy some rental property. And they go hire a realtor, you know, because that's what smart buyers do. That's what they should do, yeah. <laughs> they, they go hire a realtor. They find a good opportunity. They make a purchase. Um, you know, one of the guys is handy. The other guy's good with paperwork. I don't know. He fixes the toilets that, you know, that break and he, this guy collects the rents and makes the deposits. Like, I mean, sure. Find gaps to fill in your partnerships. They're, they're out there. Most partners, Gabe, are done out of proximity. Like, I know you. I kind of like you. I, I we think, trust each other. I think you won't like completely screw me over. <laughs> right. So let's be partners. This sounds like a good idea. Like, let's do it. And, you know, those. A lot of partnerships fail, and a lot of partnerships work. We've seen partnerships fail. Oh, big, witness big, it firsthand, big time. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. What are the? We know that there are inherent risks. I mean, we don't have to sit here and be a dead horse. What's the risk of investing with a partner? Your partner could could vanish. I mean, obviously. But what are some things you can do besides just making sure it's somebody that you trust to insulate yourself and make sure that you've got some security and you've got an exit plan, like you said, if your partnership comes to not work out? Maybe it's not that you guys like have a huge falling out, but you're not having the success you want and you feel like a different partner would make more sense. What are the ways to make that happen in a a way that's good for everybody, I guess? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough, man. Most partnerships when they fail, like the more successful they were at one point, the harder they are to dissolve. Oh, sure. Like if you had a lot of success, if you had a lot of success at some point, but I mean, it's messy, man. Like it's messy. Like I've, I've talked to people that are dissolving partnerships that, you know, own, 
performing assets, properties in the midst of renovation, and you know they have equity. You've put in this, I've put in this, and I need this back, and I've got this circumstance. And dude, it's it's hard. Like I, no, there is there is no real way. I mean, I know I say consider the exit before the entry. But I don't know that there's any real way to foresee all potential challenges. What can you do, Gabe? I don't know, man. Pick good partners. Sure. That's it. Pick well, good partners so you don't have to do it. This might seem like an overly simple question, but if you have the means to invest on your own, but maybe you can only do it in a very entry-level kind of way, should you ever invest with a partner if you have the opportunity to invest alone? Or is it something that should just be reserved for those that don't have the ability to do it themselves? I think Is it more trouble than it's worth if you can do it on your own? It's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. So what my personal, um, my personal kind of like benchmark is, is, you know, I, I first look at a, can I execute? Okay. Um, and B, am I capable? So if I'm going into 50, 50 partnership with somebody, is the partnership more likely to do two X then Jay, the individual, is likely to do 1x. That's Yeah. Does that make sense? Like if it, it'll do 1.5 of what you could do alone, is it worth it? May, probably not. Nah, no. Yeah. No, because, I mean, th- when you adjust my – I'm at 0.75. Yeah. You, prof- you, fo- yeah. you follow me? My profit's at 0.75 there. Yeah. And I don't want to get into math weeds. Like this literally is probably the most – it's probably hard to ask our listeners to pay to figure this out. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is if if I'm a 50 percent partner, can I do double or more? Yep. yep. And the, if the answer is yes, then I'm looking deeper at that partnership. Then I have to take double or more and adjust it downward for the frustration and risk that could arise from the dissolution of that partnership. Right. And ultimately, I've I've been lucky. I partnered with a few people, and it's always worked out. I certainly know, and I have clients and family members and people that have had partnerships that don't work. Right. A good thing to understand, Gabe, about partnerships is that they can be structured for specific activities. If you're partnering with a flip, with someone on a flip, well, there's a finite conclusion to that. When that property sells, the partnership can be dissolved. dissolved. When you buy rental property with partners, it's much less liquid. That's the one you have a hard time getting away from. Sure. I mean, you could even change partners in between flips if you were flipping, but it's... Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, you can have an LLC, you can buy one house and dissolve the LLC at the end of the house, at the sale of that house. I honestly, I know, I know investors that create a a new LLC for every flip property they do. That's got to be exhausting, but... Well, it's not really. It's not that hard. Okay. It's not that hard. I mean, I don't, I don't find it find it valuable, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. Sure. Point is, is I can get rid of that partner when I get rid of that house. Right. You know, but if I've got six houses and you plan to hold them for a long little time. or one that I plan to hold for a while, it's, it gets a little more hairy, especially when you're talking about your retirement resting on it. These are long term decisions and you've got to be really sure when at the, I've only ever bought rentals with one person. Okay. That's my brother. Well, so and that so, sounds like there's a lot of trust there. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, I can scream at him and everything's going to be okay tomorrow. (laughs) And he can scream at me. No, I, we don't scream at each other folks. Um, we are definitely brothers though. The the thing is like, he's my brother and he can't quit being my brother. So he's going to have to deal with me. Yeah. And you know, I, I have, 
the thing, you know, partnerships are difficult because a lot of people sometimes feel like they can't say what they need to say. No, I could see that. You know, it's really, it's really like, you don't want to, you don't know what they're going to do. So I'm not going to say this and blah, blah, blah. It, I don't want to ruin a friendship. Do yep. you partner with friends? Do you not? Hey, I can't, I can't counsel you on that. Yeah. It all depends on your ability to have the difficult conversation. Absolutely. And we said that a hundred times about a hundred different things. Oh, but it's man. True. The difficult conversation. If you can get good at one thing, get good at that. Yeah. There you go. So, um, investing, man, it's, uh, it's the way to be. Yeah. It is. Well, we want to hear from you too. If you've got questions about this, maybe you're already in a partnership and you think we missed something or there's something important that you can tell us about. We want to hear from you. Make sure to visit us at www.resourcepodcast.net. Uh, you can always comment on our most recent episode there. Uh, and you can reach us on social networks too. You can find us on Facebook. You know, maybe you're thinking about it. Maybe you've already done it or maybe you were in a partnership and it didn't end well. I mean, we want to hear your stories and, and we want to know what you have to say about it so that we can help people that come to us in the future to learn more about real estate investing as well. So one thing that I want to, I want to dovetail on that, Gabe, because we've now done what four episodes on real estate investing. This will be real estate investing 401. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know. We started with 201, but I guess you're right. Every episode's about investing. I I guess, I guess you're right. So we've had a lot of investing, but uh, you know, I said earlier that I was going to, I was going to plug a few resources and I didn't really get around to it. I talked about bigger pockets. Bigger pockets is fantastic. You guys should go check out biggerpockets.com. You should subscribe to their podcast as well. There's another one though that I found who's also a contributor on B- bigger pockets that I really, really enjoy. And it's not great radio. Um, and I think he understands that. <laughs> so, so he keeps his podcasts to 10 to 15 minutes, which is fantastic, but I would be remiss in real estate or in real estate investing for a one. If I didn't talk about, talk about taxes right now, I'm not going to be the one to deliver this tax information, but if you don't understand taxes, you cannot be a graduate of real estate investing 401. Yeah. Okay. You cannot, this is a pass fail exam <laughs> I like it. Yeah. and you do not pass if you do not understand investing or tax, the tax implications of real estate investing. And the resource that I go back to is the realestatecpa.com all spelled out the realestatecpa.com. There's about, 15 to 20 episodes of his podcast out there. He writes a blog. He has a, you know, kind of a free kind of newsletter that you can subscribe to. There's some really interesting stuff there about uh, the real estate investor by trade kind of status that you can elect with the IRS, which is allows you to do some really cool stuff. And that's a Mr. Cliff Hayden kind of, kind of thing as right. a, he was a, a guest on the podcast earlier. There's talk about house hacking, which is an emerging trend amongst very young real estate investors. You know, lots of good stuff there. So um, biggerpockets.com and therealestatecpa.com. Yeah. Both very, very good resources for you. We'd like you to go check those out. Um, we might even have to see if we can get some of those guys on the podcast. I was about to say, I think it would be good to have, especially our the real estate CPA as a guest so that some of our listeners can graduate finally. I, I mean, think. we might put some people to sleep talking to them about tax codes. I don't know. But well, the truth is... If you made it this far, folks. <laughs> hey, if it puts more money in my pocket, I will listen to it. There you go. That's and the so it, the more I can keep of what I earn... I'm down. So yeah. really cool, really some really cool stuff there. And he talks about using LLCs, taxes on Airbnb rentals, uh, you know, improvements, things like that, that you really need to understand if you're going to venture or into 
the world of real estate investing. There you go. Well, we're going to get out of here, folks, but don't forget, this is the week. If you're one of our qualified subscribers on resourcepodcast.net, you will be getting part six of six of our buyer's guide. The complete buyer guide will be yours uh, in our email that goes out this week if you're one of our qualified subscribers. If you're listening to this and you're freaking out, there is still time. Just head over to the website. It's www.resourcepodcast.net. Sign up, become a qualified subscriber, and you'll get the whole buyer's guide right then. And you can start putting it to work right away. I like what you said a couple weeks ago about R&D. What was it? Rip off and duplicate? Rip off and duplicate. Feel Look, free, folks. <laughs> feel free to take anything we do, anything we talk about, and use it. I'm an open book. Gabe's an open book. And that's what I tell people. I tell agents of our brokerage, agents with competing companies, people that we're recruiting that are looking to join our team, I'm an open book. That's why we did this podcast. We hope we're giving you value Go get part six of six. Uh, we we appreciate you tuning in. And as always, do not forget to zip over to iTunes and give us a review. Five out of five stars. If you love what we're doing here, we're going to keep delivering value. But we want to hear your feedback, and we want you to kind of give us a little juice here, so yeah. that we can we can show up a little higher on those rankings. If you you know when you search for real estate podcasts on iTunes, which is where I, I believe a lot of our subscribers find us. We want to show up on those lists. We want to get this content out to more real estate agents and investors like yourselves. So please, please, if if I can implore you, uh, give us a good give us a good review. Shout us out. Share with anybody you know. Uh, resourcepodcast.net. And thank you again for tuning in. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll be back next time, guys. Thanks a lot. This has been Resource Real Talk about real estate.